0: Amen. Today we begin a six-week sermon series called Pray First. first three weeks of the series are preparation for the second three weeks of the series because in the second three weeks of the series we're going to be doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, we're going to start on August the 10th, that's a Monday, and we're going to do pray and fa- prayer and fasting for 21 days until August the 30th. And you may have a lot of questions about, uh, about that, about how to do that, who should do that, why in the world are we fasting for 21 days, won't I starve to death if I don't eat for 21 days, those kind of questions. And we're going to answer all your questions. We're not going to answer them all today, we're not going to answer them all at once, but over the next six weeks, we're going to have a conversation about prayer and fasting. We're just going to walk through this concept together as a church family, and so I want to encourage you today to just sit back. And relax, enjoy learning uh, about this process. Uh, As your pastor, I pray for you. I pray for this church. And today, I just want to lay out for you my prayer for you. This is my prayer. This is my vision, my heart for our church family. One of the great prayers of the Bible is found in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, where Paul, uh, Paul prays just a great prayer. I've loved this prayer for years. And uh, we're going to jump right in here. Sarah, if you can jump right to that slide. It says, I keep asking. And now I want you to notice right off the bat here that, that this is not a prayer that's prayed one time and then you're done. Uh, this is a prayer that I have prayed over and over and over again for you. In fact, earlier in the year, for the weeks leading up to our Easter services, I prayed this very prayer literally several times a day for you, for our church family. And so, and I'm praying it again now as we're moving into this season. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Paul prays that the people in the church in Ephesus will have wisdom and revelation, that they will see clearly. And one of the greatest gifts I can give you as a pastor is the gift of clarity and that's why I try to keep it simple I try to keep it clear so you can understand it some pastors try to be deep but the problem is deep is often muddy and I don't want to be muddy I want to be clear I, I want it to be clear why God made you what God wants you to do what your purpose is why things are happening in your life how you're supposed to react to them how you should speak how you should act how you should treat other people what happens when you die what does God have in store for you Because when you get clarity, life is a lot less confusing. And so one of the things that I pray for us as a church family, I just pray that we'll have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know him better. Circle that phrase, know him better. Because it all starts with knowing God. It starts with having an authentic relationship with God. And so if you're here today and you don't know God, I just want to be absolutely clear. You can leave here today knowing God, knowing Him better. Maybe you're already in a relationship with God. Well, the prayer is, is that you will know Him better. Once you establish that, that, that experiential relationship with God, this prayer moves on to the second thing. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Did you know your heart has eyes You know, your heart is a filter for how you see things. You don't see things as they are. You see things as you are. Because you filter things through your heart, and your heart is where you hold on to your experiences. Your heart is where you hold on to your memories, your hurts, your wounds, your issues, your habits, your loves. Even your hates are harbored in your heart. And so before you can see anything in life... It, it has to go through the eyes of your heart. And that's why the prayer is, is that not only will you get to know God better, but that you'll work on your heart because all that contamination in your heart clouds your vision. That's why I pray. Seriously, I pray this for you. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Because I don't want you wandering around in the dark. I want you to see clearly in the light. Why? In order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. Because if you don't get your heart clear, if you don't get enlightened, you're never going to see the calling that God has on your life. And every believer, every person who knows God, God places a call on their life. But most people never see it because they never get their heart clear. You can't see tomorrow if you're blinded by yesterday. And so when you come, my goal is not just to fill your head up with a bunch of Bible facts. My goal is to enlighten your heart so you can see clearly God's call on your life. It says, in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. Do you know that when you find your calling, you get hope? When you find the calling that God has placed on your life, you, you get hope. And, and this is not just a head knowledge thing. This is an experiential understanding you experience experience God you experience the hope that God has called you to the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people this is the eternal abundant life that Jesus promises to those who know him this is legacy this is transcendent living so in this prayer Paul lays out for us a spiritual progression it's a process of spiritual growth that the people in the church need to take and he's praying that they'll move through this process. You know, God's called me to pastor, to shepherd this church. And one of the things a shepherd does is he moves the sheep. He moves the sheep from where they are to where they need to be. Come over here, let's eat here for a little while. Come over here, let's eat here for a little while. Come over here, let's drink this. Come over here, let's lay down and rest. The shepherd moves the sheep through the process. I like these same verses in the message paraphrase. It says, I ask the God of our master... Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning. I I pray that we will be an intelligent and discerning church family in knowing Him personally. Do you know God personally, or is God a mystery to you? Your eyes focused and clear. Are your eyes focused and clear, or is life confusing to you? so that you can see exactly what it is He's calling you to do. Do you know exactly what God is calling you to do? Or are you in the dark? Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life He has for you. Are you living the glorious way of life that God has for you? You know, this, this, this process, it's not about information. It's about transformation. And because it's a process, because it's a progression... It happens in steps. So what are the steps in this process? On your notes, write these down. Number one, first step is to know God personally. And I don't mean like know in your mind, like you've read some Bible verses or you've sung some Christian songs or you've been to church. I I don't mean that you know uh, facts in your mind. I'm not talking about knowing God like you see somebody on the street and go, hell, hey, I know that guy. This isn't a passing acquaintance with the existence of God. This is an intensely personal relationship based on experiential knowledge of who God is, what God's done in your life. People often say things like, you know, I've always believed in God. I believed in God my whole life. I've always gone to church. I've gone to church since I was a child. My whole family goes to church. Honestly, when I hear that, I don't find a lot of comfort in that because that was my story I mean my mom took me to church in Sunday school every Sunday of my childhood Uh, you know my grandpa and grandma they went they were there every Sunday in fact my grandma threatened to box my ears if I didn't show up at church and to be honest as a little kid I didn't know what it meant to box your ears but it sounded bad so I went to church I didn't want it to happen Sixth grade, I went to the pastor's class. I got baptized. I knew about God. I knew about Jesus Christ. I knew about the nation of Israel and things that happened there. I knew God created the heaven and the earth. I knew Jesus was born at Christmas. I knew he preached. He did miracles. He raised people from the dead. He rose from the dead on Easter. I knew a lot of information about Jesus. But I had no personal relationship with him. I had no personal knowledge of him. I didn't know Christ personally how is it possible to know about God know about Christ know about the Bible all your life how is it possible to believe in God all your life and still not know him Jesus talks about that in Matthew 7 he says this he says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven Many, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? I mean, you would think these people would definitely get into heaven. They're preaching, they're driving out demons, they're doing miracles. Surely these people are going to make the cut. Jesus says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me. And the Greek word new there is the Greek word for gnosko, which means a deeply personal knowledge of someone. It's an experiential knowledge, not a cognitive knowledge. It's not what these people know in their head. It's not even what they speak with their mouth. It's not even what they're doing. It is a heart knowledge, not a head knowledge. And evidently, these people thought they knew God, but it was only a head knowledge, not a heart knowledge. Jesus says, I I never really knew you. I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want that to happen to you. I want us to truly know God, know Christ, know the Spirit in a deeply personal way. So how can I know if I truly know Jesus? Jesus. 1 John 2 says, we know that we have come to know Him if we obey His commands. We know that we've come to know Him when we start living out of the things that He's asked us to do. We know we know Him when we stop living for ourselves and we start living for Him. When we start asking, God, what can I do for you? Instead of telling God what He can do for me. When we follow His instructions, if We obey His commands if we're living out of our relationship with God, if we know Him personally and experientially in our daily life. Now for each one of these, I'm going to give you an action step. And your action step here, in the Bible, in the Great Commission, the first action step after you come to know Christ is for you to be water-baptized to be immersed under water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Water baptism is your first step of obedience, the first command that you should obey. Why? Because it's an outward expression of what's happened in your heart. And so your action step for this one, know, uh, know God, is you need to accept Christ. You need to be born again like the man just said. You need to, need to trust in Him. You need to know Him personally. And you need to be water baptized. I mean, you read through the Bible and you see the pattern. People believe, then they get baptized. They believe, then they get baptized. 27 examples of baptism are given in the Bible, and every single one of them, after someone has believed, then they're baptized by immersion. First example is found in Acts 2.41. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000... 3,000 people were added to their number that day. Those who accepted his message were baptized. The sequence is very important there. Believed and then baptized. Not baptized when you're a kid or a baby or an infant, and then you believe later. No, you believe and then you're baptized. And the urgency is also important. It says they, they were baptized that day. It didn't take them weeks, months, years to finally wander around into the process. They quickly established a pattern of following Christ's commands. Christ said to believe in him, they accepted his message. Christ said to be baptized, they got baptized. Now did their baptism save them? No. No, the Bible's clear. It is by faith that we're saved through grace. Faith in Christ is what saves you. But baptism, that's your obedience to Christ and it confirms your faith. So one of the first things I pray for you, I pray for this church is that we will truly know God. And that you'll live a life of obedience to Christ's commands. Beginning with baptism and then just flowing into a lifestyle of obedience. We know that we know Him if we obey His commands. Now if you've never accepted Christ, at the end of the message, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer where you can accept Christ. This could be the day. This could be the day where you personally come to know God. And if you've trusted in Christ and you've never been baptized, our next baptisms are coming up August 15th and 16th. We'll be baptizing in all five of our services. We'll actually be baptizing that night at the Belton Community Center at our pool party. And so you can make the decision today, I'm going to start following Christ's commands. And you can plug that date in, you can invite your family to come, and and, uh, you can get baptized and let everybody know that you know Jesus Christ. Second... I pray that you will find freedom. And next to this one, you need to write down some other words. I am praying that you will get help, get healed, get healthy, get connected. That's how you find freedom. Here's the deal. You you can know Christ. You can be saved. You can be born again and still have issues. You can get saved and still have addictions. You can get saved and still have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. You can get saved and still struggle with sin. But once you get saved, you don't have to stay that way. Once you get saved, now you actually have the power to deal with all that stuff in your life. For the first time in your life, you can find freedom, you can be healed, you can get healthy. But make no mistake about it, the issues are in your heart. Look at this next verse, it says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. You know, those of you who are sitting right here right now, every one of you has issues. People who sat here in the service before you, every one of them had issues. The people who will sit here in the next service, every one of them has issues. We all have issues. It's not the people out there, it's not those people who have issues, it's us. All of us that have issues. The verses in the Bible that talk about how to deal with issues, they're written to believers. They're in letters written to the church. The Bible wasn't written to tell lost people how to live. It was written to tell people who know God personally how to live. Because if you don't know God, you're not even alive yet. If you don't have a personal relationship with God, you don't have the power to obey. You don't have the power to live right. You're still dead in your sin. So the ones who personally know God, we are the ones who need to deal with the issues of life, the issues that spring out of our heart. Now, why do we need to deal with them? Because as long as they stay there, we can't move on to the next two things because this is a process. It's a spiritual progression of healing and growth. And because it's a process, because it's a spiritual progression, we can get stuck. And sometimes we get stuck for years, for decades, for a lifetime. Some people come to faith in Jesus Christ and they are stuck from that moment on. That's tragic. How do I get unstuck? This is where a lot of people don't understand. They don't like the process because the answer is not just you and God work it out. That's not the process. That's not the solution. It's very clear. James five sixteen. What the solution is? It says, therefore, confess your sins. And look very closely here. Does it say confess your sins to God? No. Now in First John one nine, it says to confess them to God. It says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we confess our sins to God to be forgiven but here it says that we need to confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be forgiven no what's it say healed that's right you confess to god to be forgiven and you confess to one another to be healed to find freedom There are a bunch of us that carry around wounds and hurts and addictions and habits that impede our spiritual growth, that diminish our relationship with God. And we have confessed them to God and confessed them to God and confessed them to God. And God God has forgiven and forgiven and forgiven. Every time you confess, God will forgive. But we've never found freedom. We've We've never gotten help or healing. Why not? Because we're not doing it God's way. God's way of healing us is through confessing our sins to each other. The healing comes through our connection with the body of Christ. If the body has a hurt or a wound, it's the body that heals it. The body that heals it. Recovery, healing, freedom always comes through community. Here's your action step. You need to get in a small group. If you're going to get help, get healing, get healthy, you need to get in a small group. And it may be through our small group ministry, it may be through Celebrate Recovery. But wherever you do it, the goal is to get close enough to some people. It doesn't have to be a lot of people, it doesn't even have to be the whole group. But you've got to get close enough to some people so you can open up to them and they can open up to you, so you can confess to them, so they can confess to you, so you can pray for them and they can pray for you. And when you do that, that thing that you have struggled with your whole life, it's healed. It's healed. I've experienced that. When I went through Celebrate Recovery, I had wounds I had carried with me since I was a kid. And I had prayed to God till I was sick of praying to God. And I got into my step study group, and I worked through that issue with one of the other guys in my group. And I confessed it to him, and he prayed for me, and I was healed. I was free. It's amazing what happens when you do it God's way. Because not only do you have to know God, but you have to know and be known by others. And in the church, that happens in the context of small groups. As our church grows larger, it's got to grow smaller at the same time. We grow larger through our weekend services, and we grow smaller through small groups. You know, In a large church, you can't know everybody. You don't have to know everybody, but you've got to know somebody you got to know somebody. And that's why Rockbrook is a church of small groups, not a church with small groups. Because we want you to get connected so you can be healed, be healthy, be free. We also want you to get connected. Look at this, Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Don't neglect it. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Folks, I truly believe that the day of Jesus Christ's return is drawing near. I, I truly believe that because I can read the Bible and I can read the newspaper. And, and, I mean, I believe it. And this passage right here, the Bible's telling you right here, one of the things you need to do to prepare For Christ's return is get into a small group. You need to get connected. You need to get connected because you're going to need all the connections you can get. We're going to need each other. And I just want to show you something about about this connection principle. You know, sometimes people say, Well, I I don't need to get in a small group because I I have my family. I I don't need a small group. I, I have my family. Well, what happens if something happens to your family? One tornado or one car accident can devastate a family. My wife and I we have three kids. They're basically all adults. two of them are married, one of them's in college. We have five grandkids. And so if you add us all up, we have 12 people from three households 12 people, three households. That's a pretty good small group. You know, we could just be happy and say, "You know, really, we, our family's our small group. We could be done. That's not what we've chosen to do as a family. Look at the power of connection through small groups. I lead a men's small group that has 10 to 12 guys in it. My wife, Katie, leads a women's small group that has eight ladies in it. Our daughter, Alandria, leads a college-age girls small group that has seven girls in it. She's also in a college-age co-ed group that has six people in it. Andrew and Annie lead a group in their home, an adult group that has 11 people in it. Andrew leads a teen boys small group that has nine guys in it. Annie leads a girls small group that has 15 girls in it. Our son Ryland leads a guys' small group that has 12 guys in it. His wife Lauren leads a ladies' group that has 12 ladies in it. Our 10-year-old granddaughter Reagan is in a kids' small group that has 10 kids in it. Our grandson Gunner's in a group with 9 kids in it. The twins, Titus and Maverick, are in a kids' small group that has 15 kids in it. So our family has 12 small groups with 141 connections. That's the power of community it's the power of connection now what is it that makes that so powerful what makes it powerful is each of us has a group where we can share our struggles and share our joys each of us has a place where we can personally be prayed for and pray for others each of us has a place where we can personally be known and know others each of us has a place where we can personally find help and be healed And if something happens within or to our family, we have a network of prayer and support that extends far beyond our family. More important to us, look at the impact that our family is having. and Look at the fruit that we are bearing in the lives of over 140 people. Because the truth is, they need us just like we need them. And that's why I pray that you will get into a small group. You say, well, you know, we don't have 12 people in our family. It's just me. Well, then get in a group. You'll you'll increase your effectiveness by 12 people, 12 times. If you're a couple, get in a group. You'll, you'll You'll have 24 relationships if you get into a group. If you get into two groups, you'll have even more than that. If you get your kids plugged into a teen group or into kids' small groups. You'll have an opportunity for everybody in the household to find freedom from their issues, to confess their sins, to get help, to be healed, to help and heal others, because it's not just about you. You can be connected even more so as you see the day approaching. You need to get into a group. Number three, I pray that you will discover your purpose, that you may know the hope To which he has called you. Now you can't discover your purpose if you haven't found freedom. I mean this is a process. You've got to go through the steps. and, And you've got to clear the smudge off yesterday before you can see tomorrow. You've got to get the eyes of your heart enlightened in order to see your purpose. You've got to get healed in order to be effective in ministry. Why? Because your greatest area of ministry is probably going to come from your greatest area of hurt. God never wastes a hurt. And when you confess your sin to someone and you find healing, it opens you up with a power to to share with other people so they can find it too. Do not try and skip over the small group healing process and jump into ministry. Sometimes people think, well, if I get involved in ministry, then I'll do enough for God and that'll heal my wounds. No, ministry flows out of health and healing. Healing. It doesn't flow out of denial or harboring hurt and resentment. Ministry flows out of spiritual maturity. We, we use baseball imagery a lot to describe this process. That's why you see the diamonds in the windows and we put diamonds on the screen because we're trying to move you around the bases of a baseball diamond. We're trying to move you through the spiritual process. And one of the rules in baseball is, is you've got to tag every base. If you run to third base without touching first and second, guess what? You're out. Doesn't work. So you can't run to third base. You can't run to purpose. If you haven't tagged first base, knowing God, and second base, finding freedom. You can't skip steps in the process. That's what happened to the people that Jesus talked about. They were doing ministry without knowing God. They were doing ministry without experiencing personal healing. They were healing other people, but they hadn't been healed themselves. And so you have to tag each base. But you also don't want to get stranded on a base. You want to move all the way around the bases. You want a home run. In fact, not only do you want a home run, you want a grand slam. You know the difference between a home run and a grand slam? With a home run, you run all the way around the bases. Yippee for me. Grand slam You take other people with you. That's the power of the process. This isn't just about you and your healing. This is about you helping to heal other people. This isn't just about you finding your purpose. This is about you helping other people live out their purpose. Because it's not about you. It's about you helping others. 1 Peter 4.10 God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. It's not about you soaking up God's blessing for yourself. It's about God using you to be generous to other people. You're the channel of God's blessing to other people. You're the channel of healing and hope for other people. You're not a reservoir where it gets stored up. You know you, you store water up, it turns stagnant and stale. You, you let water flow through a channel or a conduit or a river or a stream. It becomes living water. That's what God wants you to be. So what's your action step? Your action step is to complete the growth track. That's our discipleship process here. Growth Track, we hold Growth Track events every Sunday afternoon at 1:30. First Sunday of every month we do 101 Church. That's where we get you connected with Jesus Christ through salvation. We get you connected to the church body through membership. Second Sunday of every month we teach 201 Essentials. We teach you the essential habits for health and healing and growth in the Christian life. Third Sunday of every month, we do 301 Discovery. That's where we help you discover your spiritual gifts, your personality, your passion. We help you discover your purpose. And the fourth Sunday of every month, that's today, we do 401 Dream Team. That's where we get you plugged into a ministry of Rockbrook so you have a place to serve other people. And I just pray that you'll discover your spiritual gifts, your personality, your passion. Paul says this about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12. says, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. And that verse was written 2,000 years ago. It's still true today. 87% of Christians in America don't know their spiritual gift. 87% of people don't know their gift. They don't know their purpose in life. You know, we, we want to teach you. We want you to understand, to know. Your gifting, your personality, the purpose that God has called you to. Why? Because number four, my prayer for you is that you'll make a difference. That you may experience the riches of His glorious inheritance that He has for you in the saints. Notice it's in the saints, it's in God's holy people, it's in community with others. It's not by yourself, it's in the body. That we experience the glorious inheritance it's the ultimate transcendent life that we talked about in the legacy series it's, it's not life's not about meeting your needs life is not just about surviving it's about thriving and we thrive when we give our lives to something greater than ourselves and there is nothing greater that you can give your life to than the church of jesus christ nothing because it's the only thing that's going to last the only thing that gets out of this place alive is the church of Jesus Christ. So I make no apology for asking. you. Know, people are looking for meaning. They're looking for happiness. You, you're not going to find joy going to the lake. You're not going to find joy in baseball. I don't care if it's Little League or the Royals. You're not going to find joy in your profession or in your possessions. Real joy is found in making a difference in the lives of other people. Jesus said it this way, he said, this is to my father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. How do you do that? By pouring your life out, making a difference in the lives of other people, by answering God's call on your life. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may may be complete. Jesus says if you come to know God, if you find freedom, if you get connected with the body of Christ, if you discover your purpose, if you make a difference in the lives of other people, you will bear much fruit. You will bring glory to God. And the joy, the joy, it'll be there in Christ, it'll be there in you. Here's your action step. You need to join the dream team. Dream Team is the term we use for the people who make ministry happen around here. We have 13 different Dream Teams that you can get plugged into. we got over 350 people plugged into our Dream Teams. Listen, folks, I don't tell you this because we are desperate for you to come help us. The truth is we're not. We're not desperate. Things are going pretty well, actually. I tell you this because you are desperate to do this. Because it is God's plan for you. It benefits you to do these things. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And it is God's plan, God's desire for you to get plugged in and to serve and find your purpose and make a difference so that your joy can be complete and you can bring joy and glory to Christ. So how does it happen? How do you do this? It's a process. It's a progression. It happens step by step. Step one, you've got to know God. You make a decision to accept Christ, and then you get baptized as a step of obedience. And you can make that decision for Christ right here, right now. You can get baptized as soon as August 15th and 16th. Step two, you find freedom. You get connected in a group. And you can either get connected and celebrate recovery, or you can get connected in one of our small groups. Celebrate recovery meets every Wednesday night. 6.30 6.30 every Wednesday night. They do their large group, and at 7.30 to 8.30, they do open share groups. That's their small groups. Small groups for women, small groups for men, based on need. And then you can get plugged into a Celebrate Recovery step study. That's where the power really gets unleashed. But you can could, you could get plugged into one of those groups uh, this, this Wednesday, show up at Celebrate Recovery. Or you can get plugged into one of our small groups in in the fall campaign. One of the reasons we're doing this 21 days of prayer and fasting is August is we're stacking the dominoes for our fall spiritual growth campaign. And in September, we're going to be recruiting and training small group leaders. We're going to be getting you signed up for small groups. And then in September, October, and November, we're going to move into a study of the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to look at God's power for changing your life. And so it's, we're praying right now. I am praying fervently that you'll get signed up, that you'll lead a small group, or that you'll get plugged into a small group. Third step is to discover your purpose. You just complete our growth track events. You can get connected to Christ and the church through membership. You can learn the essentials of the Christian life and start living those out in your life. You can discover your spiritual gifts, your personality, your passion. You can do that. We just offer those one, two, three, four every month. One, two, three, four. You can take those. Fourth step is join the dream team. Meet the qualifications. Rise to the occasion and start serving others. You'll bring glory to God and you will bring joy to yourself because there's joy in serving others. That's the emphasis of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And that is the prayer of my heart for this church. Let's pray. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ, this, this is your moment. And maybe you have known about him all your life. But this is your moment to know him personally, deeply, intimately. To just open up your heart and life and say, God, I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he's my savior. I thank you for him dying on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead to prove who he is and what he's done. And so today, God, I I want to be born again. I I want to be saved. I want you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me that new, eternal, abundant life that you promised to those who believe in Christ. God, I'm in. That's you today. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God promises to hear your prayer and respond. And maybe you're here today and you've been a believer for years, but you're still packing those hurts, habits, and hang-ups. You're still carrying those wounds. You're carrying the, the, the baggage from the past. And I would just encourage you to say, God, please, help me to get connected, to get connected with the body of Christ. I know you've forgiven me as I've confessed my sins. God, lead me into a group where I can share, where I can be healed, where I can become healthy where I can help other people to do the same thing. And maybe today you've recognized that you need to discover your purpose. You've just been living for yourself, even as a believer. So I just encourage you today to make the decision, God, I'm going to discover, I'm going to manage my gifts well. I'm going to discover what they are and I'm going to use them to build up the church, the body of Christ. I'm going to make a difference with my life. Bear fruit for your glory, and for my joy. God, we thank you for your plan. We pray earnestly that you'll help us to fulfill it. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.